Can you believe that every six months Bud Welch calls Bill McVeigh to see how he's doing? Can you believe that? He said of that encounter that he just described in the video that we watched, he said, I have never felt closer to God than I did at that moment. He went to convey healing to Bill McVeigh, and yet Bud Welch found healing for himself. And when I heard what he said about that encounter, I thought to myself, that's how forgiveness makes me feel. The times in my life that I have felt closer to God than any other time have been those times that involved forgiveness. There is just something about getting right with God and getting right with others that lifts a heavy load. There is a freedom and a joy in the experience of forgiveness like nothing else. Remember the words of Pastor John Stott, No one is free who is unforgiven. King David knew that. Three times in Psalm 51, he asked God for the restoring of his joy. I wonder if you'd take your Bibles and turn again to Psalm 51. And I want you to notice how three different times he asked the Lord to restore his joy. Uh, Look at Psalm 51 and verse 8. David says, let me hear joy and gladness. At the end of verse 8, he says, uh, let me rejoice. And then the great statement down in verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. So notice what he is saying. Forgiveness brings joy. But we have to ask the question, how? How does being forgiven bring to us joy? Isn't it wonderful here? God not only wants us to know that we are forgiven, He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to rejoice in it. And David answers that question, how forgiveness brings joy, as he moves from the experience of forgiveness to its enjoyment. Let me read for you verses 7 to 12. Follow along in your Bibles this morning. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. This morning, as we continue in Psalm 51, I want to bring a message entitled, Joy and Forgiveness. Let's take a moment, shall we, and pray together. Father, how wonderful it is to know that we are right with you. How 
releasing and freeing it is to know that the holy and righteous God has accepted us and forgiven us for what Christ has done. And then, Lord, out of that, we can extend forgiveness even in the most difficult and hurtful experiences because we have been forgiven. We now can forgive others. And we thank you that you are such a a wonderful God that you not only want us to know that we are forgiven, but you want us to have the very joy of our salvation. Teach us how that happens today from your holy word. For Jesus' sake, amen. As we look at what God has to teach us today, uh, David tells us, first of all, that forgiveness brings joy because God cleans us thoroughly. God cleans the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ thoroughly. In verse 7, when David uses the word purge, it comes from the normal word in the Old Testament for sin. Uh, There are very few cases that are very rare in the Old Testament where the verb form is changed into a privative and actually negates what the word normally means. So by changing the vowel points in the verb, it goes from sinning to doing away with sin or removing sin. So that the very word here for purge actually has the idea of to unsin. That's what God does when He cleanses us. He unsins us, or we could actually say that He desins us. That's what David is saying. Lord, desin me. Uh, all of us here today are aware of degreaser, aren't we? I remember one spring after a long uh, winter of using my snowblower, there was a spot in the garage that was just an oily, ugly mess. And as I was trying to clean up that spot, my neighbor came over and uh, he said, just a minute, I think I can help you. He went home and he got a little substance called oil dry, oil dry. He spread it uh, all over that oily, ugly mess, and then he began to grind it in with his heel. When he was finished, we swept it up, and I was amazed this ugly, oily mess was completely clean, almost. Right? The mess on the surface was taken care of. But to this day, there is a stain that is left behind. And I thought, that is the problem with degreaser, isn't it? It works. Almost. The stain is still left behind. But when God descends us, when He unsins us with His forgiveness, 
He removes the ugly, oily mess, stain and all. Stain and all. That's what he does. Now David uses a a wonderful expression that he was very familiar with. He says, Lord, uh, purge me with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop. Has it been a long time since you have seen a hyssop plant? Let me show you what a hyssop plant was. It was a leafy plant found in Israel that was perfect for sprinkling animal blood. And it was especially used on lepers. When a leper was cleansed, that leper was examined by a priest. If there was no evidence of the disease, the leper was pronounced clean. It was only then, once the leper was pronounced clean, that hyssop was dipped in animal's blood and the leper was then sprinkled with that blood and called clean. See, what hyssop was, and David understood this, was symbolic of complete and total cleansing from disease by the sprinkling of animal blood. And now as David thinks about all of his sins that led to the writing of Psalm 51, he is saying, Lord, what the priest does to the outside of the body of a leper, sprinkling them completely clean from disease, now, Lord, you can do to the inside of me, declaring my heart completely clean from my sin." And we know how God does this, don't we? God does this through the sprinkled blood of Jesus Christ that is a sufficient payment for our sins. And so thoroughly clean are our hearts that David says, Lord, when you are done cleaning me, my heart will be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. Snow. How many of you know what town this is that I have on the screen? It's Gary, Indiana. I've never been through a dirtier, grimier town than Gary, Indiana. The soot from the steel mills that you see has soiled the town. And as you drive through, wherever you look, it is dirty and it is grimy. And you know what I've often said? There's not a town any worse, and there's not a place I would not want to live any worse than Gary, Indiana. But perhaps you know that like all the northern towns in northern Indiana, Gary gets lake effect snow from Lake Michigan. And on a snowy morn, when the light, fluffy snow comes down and blankets that town, the sun glistens as it reflects off of the sparkling snowflakes, and a dirty place becomes a pretty place to live. And that's what God does. When God blankets our hearts with the snows of His forgiveness, 
A dirty heart becomes a clean heart for a holy God to dwell. Isn't that an amazing thought? God so cleanses our hearts that he says in his sight they are whiter than snow and the heart that was dirty and ugly and greasy now has become a pretty place for a holy God to come and live. Does that bring joy to our lives? You better believe it does. You see, we can enjoy forgiveness because God cleanses us thoroughly. Notice the second reason why we can enjoy forgiveness. Because God heals us psychologically. God heals us psychologically. David says in verse 8, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Now, the word bones here is a figure of speech for the framework of the entire person. When we say, my bones are getting old, how many of you can relate to that this morning? What we mean is, I am getting old. The ache in our bones is the most visible sense that we have that our whole person is aging. Now, when David here talks about his bones being broken, what he is describing then are painful and aching bones, and this is a figure for a person who is under the personal collapse that comes from the guilt of sin. This is a figure of what the guilt of sin is like. Sin, says David, creates an inner tension that causes emotional and mental stress. The person that is under the burden of sin is open to all kinds of psychosomatic disorders. Do you know the famed uh, psychiatrist Carl Menninger once said this, if he could convince his patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could walk out the next day. Can you believe that? If they could just experience forgiveness, three-fourths of them would no longer need the psychiatrist. Now, I want to be very, very clear here. Not all emotional problems are caused by sin. Would you please hear that? Not all emotional problems are caused by sin. In fact, many emotional problems are caused by the sins of others against us. And we need to be aware of that. But sin can damage our emotions. Sin can damage our emotions. Guilt. Shame, depression, worry, stress, irritability, frustration, hostility, hardness. All of those are the results of sin. 
But here's the wonderful thing. When God forgives, He heals us psychologically. David says the bones that were crushed turn to joy and gladness. Do you know, some of the happiest people that I know have done horrible things. And you say, how can that be? How can this person, whom I know what they have done in their life, be such a happy person and at peace? How can that happen? And the answer is, God has healed them by His forgiveness. That's what David is saying. When God forgives, He heals us psychologically. Let's look at the third way that forgiveness brings joy. Thirdly, forgiveness brings joy because God restores us relationally. God restores us relationally. Look at verse 9. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Now, do you know this expression, to hide your face from, usually means to turn away in rejection and separation. Have we ever heard somebody say, get out of my sight? Or, I don't ever want to see your face again. That expression usually means, I don't want to have anything more to do with you. Our relationship is over. Do you know, this expression in the Bible is often used for God's attitude towards our sin. Isaiah 59.2 says this, Your iniquities have separated you from the Lord your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you, so that he will no longer hear. That's the normal way this expression is used. God turns away from the sinner in rejection and separation. But now notice what David pleads. Lord, hide your face from my sins. Lord, turn away from my sins. Separate yourself from my sins. Reject my sins and accept me. Let me ask you this morning, which would you rather have? God hiding His face from you or God hiding His face from your sins? Which would you rather have? You see, when God forgives, what He does is He turns His face from your sins, but He brings you face to face with Him. When He forgives you, He rejects your sins, but He accepts you. And the sins are permanently put out of his sight because he says in verse 9, blot out how much of my iniquity? All my iniquity. All my iniquity. Listen to what God does for us. When he forgives, he turns his face from our sins 
And he brings us face to face with him. That's what forgiveness is all about. Do you remember the words to the old gospel song that Merrill Dunlop wrote? Let's say them together. We, we haven't sung this song for a long, long time. But it's based on this very song. Would you read them together with me? What a wondrous message in God's Word. My sins are blotted out, I know. I have peace that nothing can destroy. My sins are blotted out, I know. My sins are blotted out, I know. My sins are blotted out, I know. They are buried in the depths of the deepest sea. My sins are blotted out, I know. The peace that this song is talking about, you can't find it in a bottle, can you? You can't find it at the bar. It'll never be discovered in a casino. You can't discover this kind of peace by taking drugs. It'll never come through a party or a person. You can't get this peace no matter how big your bank account is. And you cannot buy an expensive toy that can bring this kind of peace. It only comes when God, for Jesus' sake, forgives us. See, forgiveness brings joy because God restores us relationally. Let's look at the fourth reason. Fourthly, forgiveness brings joy because God changes us internally. God changes us internally. Let me read for you verses 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And you know what David knew? He knew that he needed more than just forgiveness. He knew he needed a radical change in his soul. You see, if all we get is forgiveness, then we will go right back to being the way that we were. Uh, by the way, a pig needs a more than just a bath, doesn't it? If all that a pig gets is a bath, a pig will go right back to being a pig. A pig needs to cease being a pig. And only God can accomplish that change. And we need more than forgiveness. What we need is a new nature. We need a new heart. And only God can give that. This is why Jesus, he meets uh, uh, Nicodemus, uh, a teacher of the Jews. 
And he says to him, Nicodemus, unless a, a man or a woman is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He says to him, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Do you know way back in the Old Testament before Jesus ever said that, David knew that? David's prayer here in verses 10 through 12 is essentially a prayer to be born again to experience a new birth. It's interesting, the word create in verse 10, it is the same word in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. It is exactly the same word. Pastor Donald Williamson uh, explains this very helpful. Listen to what he says. The same Hebrew word, bara, is used both here and in Genesis 1.1 for creation. David has a radical new beginning in mind, a longing ultimately fulfilled in Christ. He wants total newness so that he will not fall back into the cycle of sin. If you are unsaved here today, you need to be born again. If you are saved here today and you have backslidden, you need to experience a renewal. You need to be revived again. And David here describes what God does when that new birth or that renewal takes place. Do you know what this is? This is what it means to be a born-again Christian. How many of you, if I would have come to the pulpit this day and said, I I would like us to see from the Bible what it means to be a born-again Christian, how many of you have thought, well, we'll go to the Old Testament for that? Of course we wouldn't have. But here we are in the middle of the Old Testament and David is explaining to us what it means to be born again. By the way, this is what Paul says when he says that only a new creation will avail. Let's look at it for just a moment. When we are born again, we receive an undivided heart. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. The word clean here means unmixed, unwavering, undivided. All of us are born with hearts that want what we want, not what God wants. And what God has to do in the new birth is he has to give us a clean heart that desires what he wants. And when we are born anew, we are given that undivided heart. Let me ask you as I go through this description, has this happened to you? Have you experienced the giving of an undivided heart So that now in your life, you desire what God wants and not just what you want. 
that can only be given by the Lord in the new birth. Secondly, you receive an upright spirit. David says in verse 10, renew a right spirit within me. And the word right there means firm. It means loyal. It has the idea of unbending, committed to obedience. And so instead of weak and vacillating, it is a heart that now is strong and true. Do you know people who are weak and vacillating? They say that they want what the Lord wants, but they are torn by what the world wants. And so they, they ride on the fence. One moment saying, yes, I, I want to be a Christ follower, but the other moment saying, I really want what the world wants. And so they straddle the fence because they do not have an upright spirit. It is only when the new birth happens and we are born again that God gives to us that unbending, firm, loyal commitment to obedience. A third thing that happens in the new birth is you get an unlimited helper. Verse 11, David says, "'Cast me not away from your presence.'" And take not your Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could be taken from God's people. They knew nothing about a permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so David now is afraid. He's afraid, Lord, because of the sin that I've committed, you're going to take the Holy Spirit from me, and I'm not going to have the power that I need for service. Do you know, no true Christian needs to pray this today. No true Christian needs to pray this. Because in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit cannot be taken from us, but sin can grieve the Holy Spirit so that we limit His power. You see, when we're born anew, He is sent into our life to give us the power we need to live for the Lord. But when we grieve Him through sin, that power is limited. And so we don't pray, Lord, don't take Your Holy Spirit from me. We pray, rather, Lord, help me not to grieve the Holy Spirit by sinning against Him again. I wonder how many of you remember in the 80s, the two great falls by Jimmy Baker and by Jimmy Swaggart. And you remember after Jimmy Swaggart's sin was revealed and it became national news, that he had a very tearful apology from his platform that was broadcast nationally. In his prayer, he cried out, Oh Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And when I heard that, I thought, Jimmy, you ought to know better. You ought to know better. No true born-again Christian ever needs to be afraid that the Holy Spirit will be taken from us. No, rather what we should pray is, Lord, now that you have forgiven me, 
Help me not to grieve the Spirit again and limit His power. See, when we are born again, we are given an unlimited helper. Notice the fourth thing that happens when we're born again. Fourthly, you receive an upheld will. An upheld will. David says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. A willing spirit is a will that gladly, freely obeys God because you want to. That's what God does when we are born again. He does such a work on our spirit that He upholds it in such a way that we now gladly, willingly want to obey Him. It's interesting, in the book of Philippians, Paul says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That expression is one word. Strengthen means to end strengthen. And it refers to infusing power from an outside source. It is to infuse strength from an outside source. So when David, when Paul says, um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's the idea of I can do all things through Christ who has infused strength in me from an outside source, namely His power that has changed my heart and now upholds my will. And that's what God does when we are born again. He upholds the will so that we want to serve Him. Let me ask you today, has this happened to you? Have you experienced this radical change? I know that I have an undivided heart. I know that I have an upright spirit. I'm aware of an unlimited helper who lives within me. And my will is upheld. So I want to serve Him. See, that's why there can be joy. Because we've experienced this this radical change. As I was preparing for this message this week, I read the story of this man, Derek Hamilton. He spent 21 years in prison for a crime that he did not commit. So at 25, he was arrested, convicted, sent away. 21 years later, at the age of 46, it was discovered he was not the criminal, and he was released. They asked him, how did it feel the day that you walked out of that prison? 
What was your experience? Listen to what Mr. Hamilton said. The day I walked out, my wife, my nephew, and my son was in the car waiting for me. There was a church right around the corner. I would always listen to the bells ringing when I was in jail. I didn't even know where the church really was. But I would pray when I would hear the bells. It was my only opportunity to pray at the same time people on the outside was praying. When I got out, that was one of the first things I wanted to do. Just go around and pray in that church. I went in and thanked God for my release. Going into that church, it was like being born again. If Derek Hamilton could feel that joy over a physical release, how much greater should our joy be over a spiritual release? Right? If he could feel on his first day out, after 21 years of, of serving and suffering for a crime he never committed, and he goes into a church where he heard the bells ringing, that was the only time he could pray with people on the outside, and he said, I thank God for my release. Going into that church, it was just like being born again. How much greater should our joy be in what God has done for us? Let's thank Him together, shall we? Bow your head with me. In just a moment, we will sing and our service will close and our thoughts will be taken to other things. And I just wonder today where you stand with the Lord. Is there any doubt that you have been born again? Is there any doubt that what David describes that can only be brought about in Christ, he has done for you? If there's any doubt this morning, the Savior here today desires to speak to your heart and draw you savingly unto himself. You can be sure by responding to him. You can say something like, Lord, I know I'm a sinner like David was. 
And there's nothing I can do to change myself. I need you and you alone. You can say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. You rose again that I might be born again. Tell the Savior that you are repenting. You're turning from your own selfish way. And you're turning to him. Say to him by faith, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord. Make me new. Clean me up. Save me today. Make me a child of God. I trust the Savior and what He has done for me. And then say to Him, Lord, because You have done such a wonderful work in my life, from this day forward, I will follow Christ with all my heart. For some of us, perhaps we have lost the joy of our salvation. Maybe it's because of sin. And if so, we need to get right with God and others. Maybe it's because of a wrong focus, the things of the world clouding our vision. Whatever it is, it's God's desire that each of His children would have the joy of their salvation. That should be the normal experience of every Christian. And today, whatever has soured your outlook, whatever has poisoned your heart, whatever has caused you to be down in the mouth or down in the dumps, the Savior wants you to see what you have really experienced and recognize that you have been given the very riches of Christ Jesus. And you can say, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. Lord Jesus, thank you for your saving power. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for your renewing power. We come to you today for all that you can do. For Jesus' wonderful sake. Amen.